Raise your hand if you're a man out there. All right, don't forget, men's breakfast next Saturday, 8.30, right? Okay, who's going to be there, men? All right, all right, it's going to be good. Breakfast's going to be great. I'll buy you breakfast if you can't afford it, okay? All right, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Help me out here. What goes up must come All right, down, up and down. I got to admit, this past week, I've been up and I've been down a bit. I've been down walking with people in valleys of grief and sickness and hospitals and death and hurt relationships. But I've also been up, up with some of the greatest blessings of life, like God's people gathering together in big ways and celebrations of big things like birthdays and graduations and births and this morning, baptism with Nora Joy. Sometimes when you're down, you need something to pick you up and give you a different perspective, right? Anybody ever need that? Something to lift you up and give you a different perspective. And we talk about that in our society in different ways. In a negative way, we use that phrase, the forest for the trees. Ever heard that phrase before? Forest for the trees? Like we say, hey, Joe Schmo, he's good at the details, but he can't see the forest for the tree. Meaning he's only looking at the tree right in front of him and he's not seeing the big picture. He's down in the trees and not above seeing the whole forest. He's driving in circles because he doesn't have a map. He's down in the weeds. He's not seeing the big picture. Now, if we're honest in our life, we kind of need a balance of both. We need a balance of up and down. We need a balance of the trees and the forest. Because if you're running around in life going from one task to the next, one event to the next event, one emergency to the next emergency, one mind-numbing thing to the next mind-numbing thing, you aren't paying attention to the trajectory of your life. And you need to be lifted up out of that to look down and see what's going on. But we could also say, if you're only always up here, up in the clouds, right, and never down on the ground in the trees, you're not going anywhere. You're not doing anything. You're not moving in the right direction. But when you are down in the trees, and you're down in the trees for too long, you got to get up, and you got to see the whole forest. I think God provides different opportunities for us to do that, to get that sort of bigger Perspective, And to be honest, I can't help but think about it with Nora Joy this morning. There's nothing like a baby being born, right? There's nothing like holding a newborn baby. There's nothing like a church and a family coming around to baptize little Nora Joy, to reorient yourself, to lift you up, to lift you up out of the mundane things of life to the everyday sort of stuff, to look at the big picture, to think about the big picture, to think about why we are here and what my purpose in life is all about. I mean, when God gives you a child, whether it's your own biological child or a grandchild or a niece or a nephew or one of the children in our school or in our children's ministry or your friend down the street's kid, when God gives you a child in your life to raise and to provide for and to guide in life, you are drawn up above. You're drawn up above and you see the forest. You see the big picture so that you can come down and live with purpose amongst the trees. Now, as Nora grows up and any of our children, as they grow up, there will be other times in their lives that, like, 
uh, for Adam and Kelly, for parents, we'll, we'll look upon our kids' lives, li- events like the first day of school or first communion or confirmation and graduations, wedding. There will be these formal events in life that kind of bring you up to the big picture. But there will also be these sort of informal moments that have just the same amount of impact to give you a bigger perspective. One day, like maybe little Nora, she'll grow up and she'll form her own thoughts and she'll voice her own convictions and you'll be like, wow. One day, maybe she'll stand up to someone being mean to someone else. One day, she'll stand up and do something nice for a stranger. One day, she'll pray to God so deeply and her parents will be encouraged by God's word through their child. Those sort of events, those sort of moments, and we all have them in our lives. Those sort of events and those moments, they sort of take you up. They provide an opportunity to go up above and see the big picture, to see the forest, which then helps us to come back down to live life in everyday life, to live and to move with intentionality and with purpose and hope, even when life down here in the trees is actually down. We've got a lot of this sort of up and down in life. And actually, in our Bible text for today, there's this up and down thing going on. There's this trees and forest thing. There's this small picture and big picture thing. And our text today are about the ascension of Jesus Christ, which happened 40 days after Easter, which would have been this past Thursday. We as a church, every year, ascension comes around. We celebrate it. We look at it. We think about it. What does it mean for our life? And I hope that we can look at the story of the ascension. We're going to do a little Bible study this morning. We're going to see how the ascension applies to our lives. Now, if you remember the Gospel of Luke, it's one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Gospel of Luke was written by Luke, and then there was a Luke part two. And that Luke part two is the book of Acts. Now, the Gospel of Luke is the story of Jesus, and then the book of Acts is the story of the early church, the Holy Spirit, the apostles. And at the end of Luke and at the beginning of Acts, the ascension of Jesus sort of holds the two together. So if you look at the end of Luke, Luke chapter 24, verse 50, it says this. It says, when he, that's Jesus, had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them, his disciples. While he was blessing them, he left them. He was taken up into heaven. That's the ascension. Then in Luke part 2, which is the book of Acts, we see this same thing again. He's kind of going back to the end to start out the beginning. Acts chapter 1, Luke writes, in my former book, Theophilus, his former book is his gospel. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. That's the ascension. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them. He gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. That's important there. He spoke about the kingdom of God. And then on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's Pentecost. That's what we're going to look at next week, and it's going to be awesome. Don't miss Pentecost service next week. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Then in verse 6, it says, Then they gathered, the disciples, they gathered around him, they gathered around Jesus, and they asked Jesus, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? 
God had been talking, Jesus had been talking about the kingdom of God, and now they're talking about the kingdom of Israel. And when they ask this question, it sort of feels like they are getting caught down in the trees. They're not seeing the big forests. They seem to be thinking here and now and life down here. They're thinking earthly kingdom, earthly government. They're thinking, let's overthrow Rome, establish a new government called Israel, and then life's going to be great. And then it sort of seems that Jesus kind of rebukes them. He kind of invites them up. He invites them up to see the bigger picture, to see the forest instead of the trees. In verse 7, it says, Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But then he says this. He says, you will receive power. Because that's what they want, right? They want power. They want earthly power. They want an earthly government, an earthly kingdom. They want worldly power. But Jesus says, you will receive power. It's a different type of power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. And he says, you will be my witnesses, not my presidents, not my governors, not my lieutenants, not my police force, not my military. He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea. And then he throws in Samaria. We hate those Samaritans. And to the ends of the earth. He's starting to show them that his kingdom is different than earthly kingdoms, earthly governments, political ways. It goes far beyond just Jerusalem and Judea far beyond the political lines and powers that they sort of have in their minds. And he hints at it when he says, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. In verse 9, he says, after he said this, Jesus was taken up, that's the ascension, up, taken up before their very eyes in a cloud, the cloud in the Old Testament, the representative of God, God himself, the Father, took him up from their sight. And in verse 10, it says, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. Then when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Now, we stop right there. Talk about looking up and getting away from the trees, right? Jesus was dying, he was crucified. Their heads are down. That's the only thing they could see is that tree before him that their Lord, their master, their rabbi had died and was buried in a tomb. Then he rises from the grave. Their heads get up. Then he ascends to heavens and they are looking up. They're getting a different perspective. They're looking up in the sky. I mean, just imagine what that was like. I mean, some people, I was talking to my family about this. And you know, we were asking some interesting questions, right? Some people get caught up in the ascension, get hung, hung up with questions. Well, what was it like? You know, I mean, could you see the bottom of his feet? And, you know, was he floating away? Was it kind of like Superman? Kind of, those questions are okay on one level. But the scriptures, they go pretty deep on what was happening at the ascension what the disciples actually witnessed with their eyes. It actually happened. In St. Paul, he describes the ascension in Ephesians. It gives us a picture of what is going on there, that it wasn't just some magic trick or some Superman Hollywood funny circus thing that was cool to see. St. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, he says, He, that's God the Father, God the Father raised Christ from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Seated him at God's right hand. That's the ascension. We confess it. We just did a moment ago. Remember in the creed? He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, right? Well, what does that mean? What is God's right hand? Was it like a literal place? 
The right hand implies the full power of God. In fact, there was a debate about this 500 years ago, and Martin Luther, Martin Luther went and researched the whole Old Testament, and he's discovered throughout the Old Testament, God's right hand refers figuratively to a power that is active everywhere in the world, a power that is above all powers. And so in the ascension, we see that Jesus is active everywhere in the world. St. Paul continues to describe this awesome reality of Jesus being seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Verse 21, as he says, he's far above. Jesus is far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. He's far above every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also into one to come. And God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed Jesus to be head over everything for the sake of the church, the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That's not just some Disneyland ride, right? That's not just some Hollywood movie. That's getting caught up in the clouds to see the bigger picture. That Jesus just wasn't risen from the grave and alive, that he is over everything in his power. His power is everywhere. And he's creating a kingdom, a government, you might say, that's far greater than anything we could ever imagine by us just staring down here at the trees, at the tree in front of us. The disciples, they were thinking from an earthly perspective. They wanted to form this earthly government. He invited them to look up and to gain a heavenly perspective, to see the world differently, to go beyond the ways of the world, to go beyond worldly power and corrupted power and power trips and power politics. He wanted them to look up, to see the power of God. My friends, that's what the ascension is. The ascension is an invitation for us for you and for me today. Just as it was for the disciples 2,000 years ago, it's an invitation for us to lift up our heads and to be able to see the forest and not be distracted by the trees or the tree right in front of us. I got a feeling that some of us in the room today, we kind of need to hear that. Maybe for some of you, do you have your head down in the weeds and you just don't know where you are, where you're, what you're doing or where you're going? Or maybe that for some of you, you're just standing, at, you're standing and staring at one tree. So you're fixated on this one tree, and you can't see the bigger picture, and it's destroying you. For some of you, you're just going from one mind-numbing event to the next. God is calling us to look up. Look up and to see who he is, who Jesus is. He's not just a rabbi. He's not just a teacher, not just a preacher, not just a miracle worker, not just a guy who is alive again. But he's the very son of God who had all the power in the world. And he gave it all up. He was never corrupted. He gave up all that power to redeem our corruption and to call us to look up, to gain a heavenly perspective, a heavenly way of life. He calls us to look up and to see his glory to see his great power that is everywhere. We saw it manifested just this morning, the baptism of Nora, joy. And so there they are, the disciples 2,000 years ago. They're amazed at this glory, right? They're looking 
up into the sky. They're stuck looking up in the sky, amazed. But just like you can't stay down in the trees all day long, you can't just stay up in the clouds all day long either, right? That's when the angels come in in verse 11. The angels say, hey, men of Galilee, wake up. Don't just stare up looking in the sky all day long. He says Galilee because he's reminding them where they come from. They come from a physical place on this planet Earth. Remember where you're from. Men of Galilee said, why do you stand there looking into the sky? Jesus doesn't want them. He doesn't want us to only also just be escaping this world down here. He wants us to see this world, to live in it from a heavenly perspective. He wants us to look up and see him. But then he wants us to look down and live here with his power, which we all have given to us in baptism and faith in life. He wants us to witness to his love. He wants us to work in his kingdom. He wants us to go to all humanity, to unite all people under his powerful love in his spirit. That's why he said, verse 8, you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We saw that power displayed. Adam and Kelly bringing Nora, that power is living through them, through us as a church, witnessing to her Jesus' powerful love that goes beyond the corrupt powers of this world. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. We're invited to look up, see what God is doing in the world, and look down. And in the ascension, Jesus is saying, who can you witness to? He's saying, you have the power to do it. I've given you my spirit. It's why you are here. We are called to witness to each other, to our families, to our spouses, to our children, to our grandchildren, to the children in our school and in our ministry and the youth in our neighborhoods our co-workers, even our enemies. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. If you want to learn more about it, come at 11 o'clock. We're talking about how we learn to do that, how we do it every day in our lives. I encourage you to come. We'll be offering it again if you can't make it today. It's what we're called to do in the ups and in the downs of life. So what goes up must come down, right? That's, the angel basically said that same sort of thing. Acts chapter 1, verse 11. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking up into the sky? This same Jesus, who has gone up, who's been taken from you into heaven, he will come back down in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Jesus went up, but he's coming back again. And when he comes again, he's bringing a new heaven. He's bringing a new earth. And it will be all up. There will no, be no down. It will be all up. But until that, he says, you will be my witnesses. Amen? Let's pray about it. Let's stand together and pray about it. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for... Jesus, we thank you for a chance this morning to look up, to see a bigger perspective, to look at the forest and not the trees, 
be empowered to come down into life here and now with a heavenly perspective, a heavenly trajectory, to work with you in your kingdom, and to have the greatest power of all to love people and unite people under your grace. Empower us to do that. Open our hearts and our minds and our lives to those around us who need the message of love and forgiveness found in Jesus. Give us the words and the ability to trust the power that's already within us to bring that grace and mercy and to witness to them, to extend your reign and your love and your kingdom to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.